I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's been a long road to the recall election of San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin, and the road ends on June 7th. That's when San Franciscans will vote yes or no on Proposition H, the ballot measure that will decide whether Boudin gets to stay in office or not. The journey has yielded more than $6 million raised by a handful of ultra-wealthy political donors who want to oust the DA. They've managed to raise over twice as much as their opponents. This very costly affair has been divisive. It has raised questions about the effectiveness of progressive prosecutors, and more importantly here in San Francisco, whether Boudin has made San Francisco more dangerous. The answer to that question for many Asian Americans has been a resounding yes. Those are the chants of recall activists yelling at Boudin as he leaves a business in San Francisco's Chinatown back in April. It's that kind of fervor and passion that has spotlighted the political power of many Asian Americans, not only in this recall election, but also during the successful recall of three San Francisco school board members back in February. A spike in violent crimes against Asian Americans across the city has left many in the community feeling unsafe and also unheard. The Recall Boudin campaign has been able to galvanize voters around those concerns. Targeted strategies have been used, including Chinese language ads like this one. Those kinds of tactics are working. Nearly 30,000 registered voters in San Francisco have requested Chinese ballots, and political experts say that that's an indicator that Asian Americans could be a critical group in the outcome of the recall election. One of those experts is David Lee. He's the executive director of the Chinese American Voters Education Committee and also a political science lecturer at San Francisco State. Today, he joins me to chat about the complexity around the political power of San Francisco's Asian American community. He'll explain how Asian American voters became galvanized around recalling District Attorney Chesa Boudin and what it signals to future city leaders who will need their support in order to stay in office. Later, Casey Lee, who heads up the Victim Services Division of the DA's office, will join me. She's the first bilingual Chinese-American to head the group, and she'll talk to me about her work out of Boudin's office and what mainstream narratives get wrong when it comes to crime in the city. Let's start with David Lee from the Chinese-American Voters Education Committee. David, thanks for being here. Great to be here. So the Chesa Boudin recall campaign has really highlighted the political power of Asian Americans in San Francisco. And, you know, for years, AAPIs have been stereotyped as being passive or civically unengaged. What's different about this moment to you? The Asian Pacific American community in San Francisco has been under immense stress since the pandemic. Um, Not only have we seen an increase in anti-AAPI hate with just very tragic and horrific incidences captured on video and social media of Asian Americans, particularly elderly and um, women and vulnerable populations being attacked and brutalized, uh, coupled with the economic crisis that many small businesses still face uh, trying to recover from a pandemic that had uh, in its earliest days been blamed on Asian Americans. So 
Asian Americans have have gone through a lot in this city, uh, and I think there's a sense that uh, enough is enough. Asian Americans uh, want to speak out, they want to vote, they want to participate in civic affairs, in elections, in local politics, uh, in a way that I haven't seen in 30 years of doing this work. So, David, let's talk some numbers, because I know you look at them. During the school board recall election, there was this common media narrative that we heard, which was Asians were a pivotal voting block. And the school board recall election really was maybe when people started realizing the political power of that group. Does the voting data back that up? We did extensive analysis of the master voter file, uh, and what we found was uh, that there was indeed at least an 8 to 10 percent increase uh, in Asian American turnout that was higher uh, than the um, surrounding precincts. Uh, so that indicates to us that Asian Americans are more engaged than their neighbors in this election. Uh, moreover, when we did an analysis, a correlation um, analysis, we found the more Asian American uh, voters there were in a precinct, the more likely the uh, vote in support of uh, the recall. Um, so uh, we find statistically and through anecdotal evidence, uh, the uh, dozens of rallies that have been held all through the uh, school board recall, which uh, featured largely uh, Asian American uh, heavily Chinese American population. Uh, the fact that the petition drive uh, started uh, in the Asian American community and many uh, Asian Americans uh, participated and were critical uh, to the uh, ballot measure even getting on and forcing a historic uh, February recall. And the fact that uh, the recall was so overwhelming um, and many of the supporters uh, who really pushed them over uh, were Asian Americans. And it's always really important, right, to be very specific when we say Asian Americans. Are we talking about Chinese Americans? Were you able to drill down to specific groups? Yeah, absolutely. The, in San Francisco, the largest uh, ethnic uh, Asian group is Chinese Americans. Of course, there are uh, Vietnamese, there are Korean, there, there are many other uh, groups, including Filipino Americans, uh, however, Chinese Americans are the largest group, uh, and certainly amongst voters, the largest segment of Asian American voters are Chinese. Um, I will also say that uh, the vast majority, uh, over six, 65, 70% of uh, Asian American voters overall are foreign born. So they're immigrant uh, uh, voters uh, new to the political process. Most of them have voted in the last 10 years only or less. Mm. Uh, and many of them were the first time voters this February. So the school board recall election really sort of shed a light on what's going on. Do we know how closely linked is the support that we saw for the recall of the school board members to the upcoming recall election for Chesa Boudin? You know, if we imagine sort of a Venn diagram of Asian American voters in the city, what does that look like? Well, you know, it started slowly. It wasn't a natural confluence of uh, a recall for school board and recall uh, for this uh, district attorney. Uh, it, it grew over time. So in the beginning, um, the uh, they were very separate campaigns. And then after 
the February uh, school board recall, uh, in the weeks following, uh, we started seeing uh, school board recall activists, um, supporters of the school board recall gravitate towards the DA recall and becoming spokespeople for the uh, DA recall uh, Proposition H once it was uh, formally uh, uh, placed on the ballot. So, uh, it, it, you know, heading into the election, uh, I would suspect that um, many Asian Americans who had voted, Chinese Americans who had voted in favor of the school board recall will likely um, be persuaded to vote for the uh, district attorney recall, even though those two issues are completely different and separate. However, I think the, the connective tissue is uh, the anger and frustration that the Chinese American community, Asian American community feels right now towards the inaction of our local government. Um, they feel that the government has failed to support Asian Americans, to support Chinese Americans, has failed to address the hate crimes that still continue to this day. Uh, there's just has uh, a feeling that government is not listening. Government is not helping the community. And I think there's a lot of anger and frustration uh, amongst the uh, Chinese and Asian American voters in the city. We know that the Recall Boudin campaign has tapped into in-language media to target voters. Are there other strategies that you think the campaign is employing that are effective, or are they just tapping into this frustration that you're describing? I believe it's a combination. One report uh, I saw reported that over $100,000 was purchased on uh, Chinese media in just the last uh, few weeks, which is an enormous sum for a ballot measure. Uh, this is something that's uh, really uh, amazing and uh, to see, uh, given that when I started in politics some 30 years ago, registering Asian Americans to vote in Chinatown, Chinese Americans to vote in Chinatown, uh, that many uh, political uh, organizations, particularly the Democratic Party, uh, local Democratic Party at that time, this was back in the uh, early 90s, mm -hmm. uh, did not spend their dollars targeting uh, Chinese or Asian voters for the long-held belief that they don't vote, that Asian Americans, Chinese Americans don't vote, they're not interested in politics. So this is uh, really uh, speaks to the strength of the community, that uh, the, the voting community has come into its own, that it's voting uh, in elections like this, the school board election, which I think was a wake-up for the political establishment of San Francisco. At the same time, there are a lot of progressive Asian Americans, people who are advocating for criminal justice reform and are against the recall. I understand, David, that you're neutral on the recall. How do you respond to people who think that the pro-recall campaign is inaccurately portraying Boudin's record and his influence on crime rates? You know, I look, have studied the uh, criminal justice system. I'm an educator myself. And um, I do feel that uh, personally that uh, to blame 
the entire um, uh, problem of anti-AAPI hate uh, and uh, cr rising crime on a single person, a single office, I think uh, is is obscures the fact that it is uh, there are many important players. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is a very complex criminal justice system. And I think personally, I believe it's simplistic to blame it all on one person. Uh, and the, the fact that uh, this is such a, a personality driven campaign, where they are focused on a single individual, I, I, I think obscures the fact that the, 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 the complexity of the crime issue in San Francisco, but the proponents of the recall have uh, done such a good job of personalizing uh, this issue to one person and one office that I think uh, the challenge will be is to correct the record and for the anti, uh, the no on H campaign uh, to um, highlight uh, that fact. And we're so close to the election now. Um, uh, the the campaign has uh, been behind in reaching out to uh, Asian American uh, voters, Chinese American voters. They are trying to catch up quickly, um, and I think and to make their case. Is it too late for them to make a case? You think for the June election, we have a primary, a statewide primary, which in uh, that uh, there will be a large turnout, a huge turnout of Democratic voters because it's a party primary, mm -hmm. uh, and you have uh, politicians up and down uh, the ballot. Uh, from the Democratic Party who will be uh, turning out their base of support in San Francisco. The turnout will certainly be much higher uh, than what we saw in February. And that means that anything can happen. Uh, also keep in mind, Democrats in the entire country uh, and in uh, San Francisco are extremely energized right now with uh, the uh, potential uh, will likely uh, end of uh, Roe v. Wade um, uh, uh, burning in many of the uh, Democratic Party um, leadership agendas. You know, it's, it's something that's really energized the base. Um, and a lot of folks want to come out and vote mm -hmm. uh, and have their uh, say. Um, uh, that could drive uh, turnout, drive election day turnout. And these are uh, voters who typically uh, wait until the last minute to come out and they will vote on election day and it could swing the election. So anything can happen. Right. And I think what you're getting at is sort of the crux of what makes this this topic even so difficult is that it's kind of hard to define the political identity of Asian Americans in a singular way. If anything, it feels like it's getting more complicated. Would you agree with that take? Absolutely. I, You know, the uh, Asian Americans, Chinese Americans, uh, vote, uh, particularly young people under 35. Uh, my students uh, vote very strongly Democratic. Uh, they're much more progressive, uh, much more uh, in line with the city as a whole. Uh, their parents, on the other hand, who are voting are tend to be more con fiscally conservative, um, tend to be um, more uh, swayed by uh, 
Chinese language media, but there is emerging group of young Chinese American voters who are strongly against the recall. They are mm-hmm. coming out, uh, and that's part of their election day vote uh, that uh, will come out uh, on election day. And uh, these are activists who are uh, supportive uh, and marching in Black Lives Matters, who are uh, supportive of the reform of the criminal justice system, of uh, the reform of mass incarceration. And the Chesa Boudin represents um, a, a new approach, a reform approach to our criminal justice system. So I, I would expect to see younger Asian Americans, younger Chinese Americans uh, to come out and vote against the, um, the recall election. It has been such a politically charged time, emotional too, since we're dealing with such serious issues. But I would also imagine this is maybe sort of an exciting time for you as a political scientist. There's so much to think about. What's your forecast looking ahead on sort of the implications of this for future city leaders in San Francisco beyond just the recall, potential recall of DA Chesa Boudin? Well, I think the political establishment uh, in this city uh, regardless of what happens uh, in the next three weeks, uh, has finally uh, woken up to the fact that Asian and Chinese American voters are a political force in this city, uh, a political force that can uh, swing elections, that can uh, transform the political dialogue in the in the city. City Hall needs to pay attention to what uh, the Chinese and Asian American community uh, has been calling for. Uh, Keep in mind that uh, we are at, in San Francisco, uh, one of the historic lows for representation. Uh, even though our population has been, um, is a, a third uh, of the city's uh, population. So uh, people are feeling that uh, the uh, representation of Chinese and Asian Americans have been declining uh, since Ed Lee was mayor of San Francisco. And there's been a decline ever uh, since then. And I think there's a real hunger for representation, um, a real hunger at for representation at every level of government. And what about the political power of the next generation of Asian American voters that you mentioned? I would just say that... Um, the next generation of political leadership uh, for the Chinese American and Asian American community in San Francisco is just starting to emerge. So the next five to 10 years, uh, we will see a new generation of leadership rise up. And what we're seeing now, the political fights that we're seeing now, um, uh, are the uh, laying the groundwork for those leaders to show uh, their leadership abilities to move forward, to come come up in the political ranks, and then ultimately run for office. So I think this is an exciting time. Uh, this is a changing of the guard from the first generation of elected political leaders to the new generation. It's a great time to be here in San Francisco and to watch as we um, enter into this period where we're going to be, you know, mass mobilizations, more people getting involved, uh, and real grassroots uh, activism, which has been lacking. Uh, So 
uh, this I think the next five to ten years, there will be a changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. It is truly a remarkable thing to witness, no matter where you stand on the recall election. Thank you so much, David. Okay, thank you. David Lee is the executive director of the Chinese American Voters Education Committee. He also teaches political science at San Francisco State. The political power of Asian Americans is having big implications for District Attorney Chesa Boudin. After a quick break, I'll be joined by Casey Lee, who works as the head of the Victim Services Division in the DA's office. She has a unique role there. She's the first bilingual Chinese American to head that division. And she'll talk to me about the efforts made by the DA's office to meet the needs of the AAPI population. She'll also talk about something that critics of Boudin like to point out, that hate crimes aren't charged often enough for violent crimes against Asian Americans. Casey will explain what's happening there. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. San Francisco Asian American voters are being heard for what feels like the first time for many people. District Attorney Chesa Boudin and his office are listening. While Boudin faces a potential recall in a matter of weeks, his office says they're addressing concerns that have been raised by the Recall Boudin campaign. Let's hear about some of those efforts from Casey Lee, the chief of the district attorney's Victim Services Division. Casey Lee, thank you so much for joining me on Fifth Emission. Thank you for having me. Before you joined the office, your work had already been focused on advocacy for non-English speaking and immigrant Asian American populations. That has been your strength. If Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you are the only Cantonese-speaking criminal law specialist in San Francisco. What does that make you uniquely positioned to do? Right. So when I joined, I actually asked if I could also work um, on AAPI issues. And then eventually I made my way into the Victim Services Division uh, to serve there. And maybe I can give some background on myself, but I grew up here in San Francisco, um, right here in the Richmond District. And growing up here, um, I was raised by both sets of grandparents who were monolingual, um, except for my paternal grandfather, who did speak English, but everyone else was monolingual. And I really felt the impact of um, being excluded from the city's resources and services uh, just because of lack of language access at that time. Um, and so, you know, that's really been my passion is to increase language access for our community. And fast forward to today in San Francisco, we're supposed to be leading the nation in terms of language access. And we're supposed to have the most comprehensive um, language access law mm-hmm. in the nation. And we do. Mm-hmm. It, it is very impressive. But even so, we're still lacking in some areas. For example, um, with crime victims, calling 911 and reaching a dispatcher that can actually communicate with them and get them help as soon as possible. And then coming into our services, victim services, um, and being able to attend court and um, understand the proceedings, which is actually their right under Marcy's law. That's been a challenge. Mm -hmm. So providing services to people equally and fairly across all our populations is really important. You also lead the city's Asian-American Pacific Islander Elder Abuse Steering Committee, which was formed in January. From your work with that particular group, what do you think is 
making AAPI elders particularly vulnerable to violence and crime. Right. So there is one thing that I, I would, and I think I should clarify, and that's that um, definitely elders are vulnerable victims. And um, although the media has highlighted, and we've seen this, you know, kind of high, these high profile cases with um, uh, alarming acts of violence on AAPI elders, what we see here in victim services are elderly victims across the board. So of all races and ethnicities, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. that a certain race um, is uh, targeted. Um, that's what we see on our end. But elders, obviously seniors, are uh, a vulnerable population in terms of um, being able to defend themselves physically. And we also see other crimes as well that can constitute elder abuse. For example, um, financial fraud scams because of the belief that uh, elders kind of have decreasing cognitive ability, memory, and so on, and uh, oftentimes are isolated. So there are a number of characteristics unique to elders that make them vulnerable victims. But when those victims are AAPI, what we really see is the difficulty in accessing services. There has been this statistic that has been thrown around a lot, which is there's been more than a 500% increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans in the city. How do you distinguish between crimes that are motivated by hate or racism even uh, versus crimes of opportunity? Right. And I've seen that statistic as well. But the statistic points to hate incidents and not necessarily hate crimes. Um, Doesn't mean it excludes hate crimes. I'm sure it includes hate crimes, but it conflates two uh, categories and um, one of which can be prosecuted. A hate crime can be cr- prosecuted, but a hate incident can include a number of things. It's a much broader label. Um, it can include racial slurs, but that may not rise to the level of a crime. So when we talk about that increase, I think it's important to take that into consideration and and know that not every single one of those hate incidents is something that can be prosecuted by our system or addressed by the criminal court system. Mm-hmm. AAPI community members have critiqued the district attorney for not charging hate crimes. Can you break it down for me? What makes those charges hard to prove? So I, there's one clarification, and maybe the best person to address this is our hate crimes prosecutors in the office. But hate crimes are being charged. And maybe with one clarification is that um, hate crimes, it can be a standalone crime, or it can also be a an enhancement adding to an underlying crime. So it can add on an additional one year, two years, or three years to an underlying crime. What's challenging in um, alleging a hate crime is that we have to prove the person's motivation. Um, a hate crime is when a crime is committed against a person and they're targeted because of a certain perceived or actual characteristic. Um, so it could be their race, ethnicity, nationality, um, sexual orientation, and so on. And the difficulty is finding out, going into that person's mind and finding out what is um, their motive, what drove them to commit this crime. And just because it's difficult, though, doesn't mean that it, it isn't done and it shouldn't be done. So mm-hmm. last year, um, our office actually convened a summit um, and 
that was called Prevention and Protection, Keeping our AAPI Community, AAPI community Safe. And in that summit, we had invited a former FBI agent that specialized in this area and other community leaders to talk about how we can improve uh, investigations and prosecutions in this area, but also whether or not our system is the best system to address hate and racism in our society. So this summit was recorded and it's actually still available on our website, on the SFDA website, and it's really worth watching. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, uh, you know, there's been a lot of high profile coverage in the news. And I want to touch a little bit on the role of media here. I'm actually, I head up the San Francisco Bay Area chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association. And I'm always advocating that news coverage needs a lot of context and nuance. From your perspective, you know, your unique role in the community, what's been missing in news coverage of the work out of the DA's office? So nuance, definitely, uh, you know, lacking the context and kind of what I touched on before with this notion that AAPI elders are targeted. And um, when the media spotlights or places a a spotlight on certain cases um, at the exclusion of other cases, right, Um, then it leads to this perception that only one group is targeted. So that's one thing is the lack, the lack of context. But the other thing is that the research isn't done. um, And there's just a lot of false information out there that is uh, that is harmful. Um, I did hear, for example, that um, the office condones crimes against API victims. And that's just absolutely not true. Um, A lot of these high profile cases that we have seen, especially the, the very alarming violent ones that we've seen. Um, Those are victims that we worked with from the outset that we continue to work with, with pending uh, active prosecutions. And the individuals that that, um, are alleged to have committed these acts, they're in custody facing very serious charges. Some of these are life cases. And just coming into the courthouse Records are public. Um, you can go into the clerk's office, pull the file, anybody can, and review uh, what is going on in the case. And to to um, hear that no prosecutions are happening in these cases, just a, um, a huge factual inaccuracy, you know, I think is dangerous. And it really sends the wrong message to people who are potential um, perpetrators, right, that they will not be held accountable when, in fact, um, they will be. Mm-hmm. From your perspectives, are Asian Americans at this moment more engaged around issues of public safety right now, or is it just different? I think there's more awareness at this time. There's more interest, but there is definitely a lot more education, uh, information that we can be providing to our community to raise that awareness and make sure that they're getting the facts about what's happening um, and I'll also say with our language access policy, we do see a lot more victims and families engaged in the process and actually understanding um, what it is, uh, you know, how it is uh, that the individual who committed this act against them, them came into the system and what plans there are by the court, by the system to intervene, to hold this person accountable, but also to disrupt the cycle of violence. Casey, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Casey Lee is the chief of the District Attorney's Victim Services Division. 
After recording our conversation, Boudin's office announced late on Wednesday that it's launching a brand new Asian American Pacific Islander Victims Services Unit. It expands Casey's existing division that you just heard her describe. They say that the unit will, quote, serve and support the many AAPI community members in San Francisco who have historically been underserved. You can find coverage of that as well as ongoing coverage of the recall campaign at sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. On Friday, you'll also find a story from Chronicle reporters Roland Lee and J.D. Morris about the Asian community's newfound voting power. Thanks to Roland Lee and Nick Eilerson for their help with this episode, to King Kaufman for the edits, and to you for listening. <laughs> 